What's up, everybody, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Cape League Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Scanlon. Thank you so much for tuning in. Every episode, we will be taking you inside the nation's premier summer baseball league with interviews from former players, coaches, and other special guests from around the league. You're going to hear unique perspectives, exclusive stories, and experiences from all aspects of the Cape League. Along with our producer, Ben Brink, and associate producer, Michael Lane, we really appreciate you all for tuning in. So without further ado, let's get into our first interview with longtime Orleans Firebirds coach, Kelly Nicholson. All right, we are now joined by the manager of the Orleans Firebirds, Kelly Nicholson. Kelly's been part of the Firebirds for 19 years now, winning four Manager of the Year awards and winning the championship in his first ever season as manager. A former two-time all-conference player at Leola Marymount, Kelly has experienced coaching in all levels of baseball, and his Firebirds have led the Cape Cod Baseball League in ERA an astounding seven times. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How's life uh, holding up for you out on the West Coast? Well, first of all, Stephen, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm humbled to just be asked to to join you. And yeah, thanks are I think thanks for us and my wife and I in Los Angeles are probably pretty similar to everybody else around the world. Uh, we're just staying at home and only getting out when when necessary and and trying to make good use of this time while we while we have it. Yeah, exactly. And that's really why, you know, I'm so appreciative of you coming on. It seems like right now with, you know, no sports going on and, you know, people, are, you know, everywhere are kind of just looking for ways to, you know, take their mind off of the current situation. And hopefully this podcast and, you know, this episode especially can help people, you know, get through these, tar- these tough times until the summer, hopefully, when we can uh, start playing some baseball games. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah. Let's hope so, Stephen. Awesome. But hey, let's, let's jump right down into it because, you know, when I was looking at your profile, like you've had a pretty, you know, awesome experience and you've been a really good ambassador for the Cape Cod Baseball League. You know, one of the things I've, I was always, you know, questioning was, you know, how were you approached to coach in the Cape Cod Baseball League? And, you know, did you even hear of the Cape Cod Baseball League before when you were approached? Well, I had been to one Cape League game back in 1998. I was coaching at Loyola Marymount University and I was with three friends, two or three friends, and and we were back east going to a wedding. And we had some downtime during the day before the wedding began that evening. And like I said, I was coaching at Loyola Marymount in 98, and one of our players was playing in the Cape League. His name is Scott Walter. And so we just jumped in a car and we drove to Wareham uh, to watch Walt. And that was my first experience of the Cape Cod Baseball League. I saw a game at Wareham where Scott Walter was playing. And that was really my first experience. And I hadn't heard much, to be very honest with you, Uh, as prestigious as the Cape League is, I, I hadn't heard much about it. Interesting. Interesting. So then, so you saw that one game, right? And then in 2000, you know, in the early 2000s, you start getting involved as, you know, being one of the pitching coaches. So how were you approached? You know, how did they find you? You know, what was the conversation like in this overall, the process of getting involved with the league? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. And I get asked that a lot, especially being from the West Coast, living in Los Angeles, my whole, basically my whole adult life. How'd you get involved with the Cape League? Well, in... 2000, uh, what was it? 2001 was my first summer in the Cape. Mm 
And obviously before that summer, the manager in Orleans, his name is Don Norris. So Don just happened to call a friend of his who had coached in the Cape and at the, at that time was coaching at UC Irvine and his name is Pat Shine. So Don called Pat, a friend of mine that I had coached with at Loyola Marymount was also coaching at UC Irvine and he's now the head coach at USC and his name is Jason Gill. So Shiner and Gilly are in the office when Don calls and Don calls Pat, <clears throat> excuse me, and asks Pat if he knows of anybody that would be interested in being a pitching coach in Orleans in 2001. And Pat just turned to Gilly and said, Hey, Gilly, uh, Don's looking for a pitching co coach in Orleans. Do you know of anybody? Do you have a guy? And Gilly said, I think I have a guy that would be interested. And it was me. And then, so it was just, just a twist of fate, really, that, that Don calls Pat. I was friends with Gilly. Gilly happened to be in the office when Don called. Um, Gilly mentioned my name. And the next thing you know, I was doing a phone interview with Don. And the next thing you knew, I was in Orleans in, in 2001. And I remember asking my best friend, I said, yeah, I have a chance to go be the pitching coach on the Cape. What do you think? And he goes, yeah, go do it. And so I went and here we are, <laughs> you know, here we are 20 summers later. And it's been a, it's been a terrific journey, Stephen. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine, and especially coming out from the West coast, you know, then you start living on the Cape and everything there. I mean, from your experience, you know, you coach at the high school level, you know, you coached on, you know, the college level, obviously, and, you know, dipped your toes in with Team USA. But, you know, how does your approach differ, you know, when you're coaching a Cape League team compared to coaching, you know, a team like, you know, your Loyola team at college? Well, that's a that's a really good question. I, I, I think the main difference with being the pitching coach at a university, you have those guys pretty much year round. Obviously, you're not going to have them in the summer, but you're you're going to have access to those guys nine or 10 months mm -hmm. in the Cape. It's going to be completely reversed. And we're going to, we're going to be renting those guys for two months. So the way that we, uh, the way that we manage those young men in the summer is going to be a lot different than the way that we would coach our, the way that we coached our pitching staff at Loyola Marymount um, in the Cape at least in Orleans, I'm just going to speak for ourselves, right? We're, we're going to, we're not trying to change anything with those guys or we're not trying to fix anything. We're not trying to put a stamp on those guys. All we're trying to do is continue what they have been doing at their respective universities. Mm -hmm. And one of the first questions we will ask them is what are you working on and what do you want to, what are maybe one or one or two things that you want to go back to your respective university uh, with in, in the fall? And then we try to just be another set of eyes for that. And then along the way, if we see anything that we think uh, might help them, we might throw that out there as some food for thought. But before we would ever try to make an adjustment with a player, we would always call their head coach or pitching coach or whomever and say, hey, this is what we see. We would send him some video. This is what we're thinking of doing with him. Do we have your blessing? And 
man, those college coaches are super supportive of what we're doing in the summer. And, you know, to a guy, it's like, yeah, go ahead. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's been a great relationship uh, with college coaches and with our players. And, uh, but it is a little bit different than, than what we would do with our uh, pitching staff uh, at a university. Yeah. And cause I always found that that piece so interesting because obviously, you know, you're bringing, you're bringing a bunch of guys together who most of them haven't played together before. And they all pretty much are going to have different aspirations. Now you're going to want, you're going to have some guys that want to get to the league, but then you also probably have some guys who, you know, are just trying to, you know, have some fun over the summer and have, you know, one of the best summers of their life. So, I mean, when you're, when you get all these guys in, you bring them in, are you focused more on, Hey, you know, we're going to try and go out there, put the best product and go out and win. But it seems like you're really more focused on doing right by the players and developing. So how much time do you actually spend speaking with the college coaches? I know you said that, you know, you send them videos sometimes, but are you in touch with them every week? You know, do they kind of tell you, I want them to work on X, Y, and Z? Well, sometimes, sometimes they, uh, they will give us, they will give us that information. They are not in contact with us every week. Uh, they will, you know, to a guy, they will check in occasionally during the summer. But we normally go to the players for that type of for, of information. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I hope that answers your question. But uh, like I said, if, if, if you are on our pitching staff or you are a position player, or whether, you know, you're working on making defensive improvements or improvements at the plate, working – we're going to ask you, what is your, what has your coach asked you to get out of the summer? And like I said, we want to be another set of eyes and, and try to help them improve on that and, and send them back a better player in the, in the fall. But for the most part, man, those, um, we get that, like I said, we get that information from the players. And if we have to make an adjustment with a player, if we think we're going to make an adjustment with a player, we will most definitely call that university and, and like I said, get their blessing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, kind of going off of that too, you know, you've had tremendous success in this league. I mean, you've made the playoffs, I think about 75% of the time of your coaching, which is pretty amazing. You know, how do you kind of set the culture with the players who have never played together before and you only have a short time to prepare for the season? So how are you able to do this on a year in year out basis with a whole new group of guys and really just set that culture right away and really have the continued success that you've been having? Well, another, another really good question. And, and the main thing that we, the, I feel that my main job, Stephen, as the, as a manager in Orleans is to establish that culture. Mm-hmm. And we try to set that, we try to set that culture quickly because uh, for as long as I've been the manager before our first game, we only have three days of workouts. So we'll work out for three days. We'll have some team meetings during those three days. And it's during those, that three day period that we try to establish what we are all about in Orleans and our culture in Orleans is the most important thing that, that we try to establish. And I, on Gordon, uh, you know, the motivational speaker and, you know, our, our culture is, it's what we value. It's what we believe. It's what we say, and it's what we do on a daily basis. And the most important 
you know, one of the most important things that we want to do with those guys. Yeah. We want to, we want to send them back as better players, but most importantly, we want to teach them about life through baseball and then send them back to their universities as a better human being. Mm -hmm. And I think if we, I think if we can do that, then it's been a successful summer. If we win, if we go to the playoffs, for example, and we don't do that, we don't send those guys back as better people, then that hasn't been a successful summer. Um, Mm -hmm. If we can do both, if we can make the playoffs and make a little run and those guys go back and it's been a positive experience and they become better players, they've made some improvements and most importantly become a better human being because of being in the Cape, then that's been a successful summer for all of us. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad that you said that. Cause I, I think now, especially too, in just like the time that we're living in right now, I think it's so important that you have to have a good head on your shoulders and, you know, really set a good example for the younger people out there. So that's a really refreshing here uh, thing to, to hear Kelly. So I definitely appreciate that. But, you know, now that you've been coaching in this league for about, you know, 20 years, you know, obviously from a batter perspective, you know, one of the biggest, you know, changes that they see is now is, hey, you're using the wooden bat now. Um, yeah, but from a uh, pitcher's perspective, is there any other things that people maybe don't see that could be a tough adjustment for these college kids coming into this league? Well, the wood bat is definitely a, an equalizer. I think it, it lends a lot more integrity to the game and it's, and, I think it's a lot uh, easier. Not that scouting is is easy at all. I think scouting is a is an incredibly difficult job. Um, but since they're going to be using wood in in pro ball, it it makes the evaluation process, uh, I think, a, a little bit easier. Uh, you know, along the way, obviously they're they're facing really good arms every night, and they're using wood. And then I think another thing that's a, a, a big adjustment for these guys is that we're playing six or seven nights uh, during the week. Mm-hmm. And there will be nights where we get rained out and then we'll get rained out again and we'll be playing 20 games in 21 days. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be what it's going to, it's going to be like that in the minor leagues. It's going to be like that in pro baseball. So that's a big adjustment for them as well. So they're away from home. They're they're They have wood in their hands. They're facing elite arms, not only every night, but for the most part, every inning of every night. And then they're doing it five or six nights a week. And they're coming off a college season where they've maybe played 60 to 70 games. And they've, they've had, uh, you know, they've had their fall ball. So that 60 nights back on the Cape is, is indicative of, of exactly what it's going to be like in pro baseball. Yeah, and I think that's really what kind of separates the Cape League from those other summer leagues and really kind of makes it the premier league out there. I mean, um, one of the books that I read growing up was The Last Best League, which was all about the Mm -hmm. Cape League. And it really just opens your eyes about, you know, some of these guys who have had tremendous success in college, but then they come into this this summer league where, yeah, they have to use a wooden bat for the first time and, you know, maybe they live out on their own with a different family, you know, for the first time. Yes, And, you know, that can can just cause – you know, a lot of adversity for them. And, you know, for, for me, like when I read that book, you see some of the, you know, the top recruits that come into the league start struggling with the, with these little things. And there's other people who were kind of, you know, maybe the last minute throw-ins on teams, but they're having tremendous success. So that's yep. one, that's one of my favorite things. And you touched on something there when you, when you were talking about, you know, recruiting players, you know, one thing I've always wondered is, you know, 
how does you know Orleans go about putting the team together and, rep- and recruiting players? I mean, this might be more of a question for a GM, but you kind of just trying to find the best talent out there, or do you try to kind of mix and max? Like, hey, you know, we need a leadoff batter. You know, we need somebody to hit for power. You know, what's that process look like? Well, uh, the people in Orleans have been very. They've been very gracious in letting the coaching staff recruit the team. Our, G- our GM stays completely out of it. Um, and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I feel that that is my main responsibility. And I think if you would ask our coaching staff, that is our main responsibility. We put together the team and I primarily do that. I'm going to get input from our assistants down the, along the way, but I, I feel that's, that's my responsibility. And then once that team is put together and we assemble in Orleans, then I completely turn it over to our coaching staff. We've, we have had and have currently have some unbelievable assistant coaches. We've, we've had tremendous, tremendous assistant coaches. And as I speak now, I just texted with a couple of them that are now in the major leagues. Jason Brown is, had been with the Yankees as their catching coach and now he's with the angels. And I just texted with Mark Hallberg yesterday. Mark played for us, was, was an assistant with us and he's now in the major league coaching staff for the giants. So that's, it, it just kind of gives people a, a, a little bit of insight as to the quality of, of, of coach. And, and again, human beings that we have back there mentoring these young men during the summer. So I'm, I'm extremely proud of the people that we've, we've had as our assistants. Um, so, you know, that's been a, that's been a, a thing that I think we, that we take great pride in uh, putting that team together and then turn that, turning the players over to our coaches and, and letting them do their thing. So, uh, but it's, man, we get, as you can imagine, Stephen, we get a lot of input from a lot of a lot of people along the way because everybody has a guy. Yeah. <laughs> everybody they everybody has a guy. I get I get calls from players. I get calls from agents. I get calls from scouts. I'll get calls from parents. I'll get calls from friends. Uh, everybody's heard about somebody that's they think can play in the Cape League. So it makes that selection process it's, it's challenging. There's no doubt about it. Cause you're only, we're going to have 15 or 16, 17 pitchers and we're going to have 13 or 14, 15 position players. And you have your choice of the United States of America. So there are a lot of, you have a lot of options. What we try to do in Orleans is you talked about talent. Yes. We, we obviously need talented, talented players. We need, we try to acquire the best players in the, in the country, but what, what we try to do as well is we don't necessarily want the best players or the most talented players. We need the right players. Uh, going back to 1980, man, our, our Olympic hockey coach, uh, Herb Brooks said there was a story. I won't go into it in detail, but he, he said, we don't necessarily want the best guys. We want, the, or we, we don't necessarily want the best guys. We want the right guys. Exactly. And that's what, that's exactly who we try to find in Orleans. Mm-hmm. We, we need to find the right guys that are also uh, extremely talented uh, for our summer. So that's the way we, tr- that's the way we try and do it. Obviously the, the, I lean on the college coaches most heavily mm-hmm. and they will ultimately have the final say on whether or not they're, 
they feel that their player can play in the cave, that the bottom line, they, they're the bottom line, right. whether it's whatever agent calls me, whatever scout calls me, whatever friend calls me. If my wife has heard about somebody, <laughs> I say, honey, I appreciate that, but I'm going to have to talk to their college coach first. Right. So that's the way we do it. Well, it sounds like a good process. And, um, you know, I definitely like that you, you look at the character of the guys too, that, you know, that definitely means a lot, but you know, you've had the privilege of coaching a lot of, you know, really talented guys. I mean, some of the people that come to mind for me when I'm looking at, you know, Matt Weeders, you know, uh, Stephen Wright, Colton Wong, you know, Dalbeck now, you know, was anybody that you've coached that you kind of, you know, the first day you saw them in workouts that you knew right away, like, man, this kid's going to be special. Well, I think, I think all you guys, all those guys that you just mentioned were, you could tell pretty quickly that they were a, a little cut above the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Weeders, Matt had played on the USA team after his freshman year. And I remember his, the assistant coach at Georgia Tech, Bobby Miranda at the time said, Hey, Kel, you're, you're probably getting the best player in the country. And Matt was a six foot four, six foot five switch hitting catcher that also closed. We didn't use him to close, but he closed at Georgia Tech. And then Colton Wong was a, a, an incredible athlete. He could he could really hit, but he was also a very good high school football player. Mm-hmm. He could run, he could defend, he could show power. And obviously he's had a, a, a very, very nice uh, major league career so far. Bobby Dahlbeck had crazy power, just crazy power yep. and could pitch. And Bobby was a very good athlete. Um, you know, right. He just pounded the strike zone. He didn't throw that knuckleball on the Cape, but he's a guy that was high, super competitive and pounded the zone. And he was our closer uh, that summer, my first summer in 2005. And then, you know, you get a kid like Marcus Stroman. I remember the conversation and, I mean, this is this conversation, you know, Stroh was with us for a couple summers, one full summer and then briefly another before he took off and played for the USA team. But his coach at Duke at the time called me and said, hey, we have a kid. I just watched his bullpen. It's electric stuff. He said electric stuff. I'll never forget it. I think it's the first time I heard the word electric (laughs) coming coming from a coach. And so, yeah, the thing I remember about Stroh. super super athletic mm-hmm. uh and he he shows that now when he's when he's pitching with the mets and has been with toronto you know the he'll vary his tempo and kind of do a little louis tion on the man up there but he's you know not a lot of guys can do that because mm-hmm. not a lot of guys are as athletic as marcus uh, so yeah you you name some good ones but they were they were special, special, special talents. Yeah, one thing when I think about Marcus Stroman too, that something I kind of appreciate is that he always pitches with an edge and he always has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. I mean, um, you know, he's had numerous things, you know, come out in interviews, just kind of, you know, defending himself. And I think, you know, when you can have that type of a chip on your shoulder and you go out and use it every single day, it definitely adds a level to your game. So I've always had a yeah. lot of respect for him, but some of my favorites uh, favorite things to hear about athletes is that sometimes they always have a kind of a, a unique approach to the game and like maybe, um, you know, to get ready for the game, they might do something kind of funny. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anyone that you've coached that, that comes to mind right away? It's like, yeah, this guy had a very unique approach to the game. Well, the guy that comes to mind immediately when you ask that question, we had a lefty, a couple of years ago and he was, he was a first rounder. He went to Ole Miss and his name is Ryan Rollison. 
Mm-hmm. And he was a goofy, he was a goofy left-hander. Uh, the five days that he didn't pitch, but the day that he was going to get the ball, he had a Clayton Kershaw type of mentality. You didn't speak to him. He didn't speak to anybody. He got as locked in on game day as any uh, as any starting pitcher that I've been around in my 19 summers in Orleans. So when I think of that, when I think of your question, uh, Roley come, Roley comes right to mind, man. And mm-hmm. boy, oh boy, he's, I think you're, he's a guy that you're going to want to keep on your radar. He's going to be a guy that is going to be in the big leagues pretty soon. Um, but it's that, it's that mental tough toughness and his focus uh, that I think separated, separated Ryan from some of, some of his teammates and even some of the other guys on the Cape, man. And, and I think that's why he was a first rounder and he went back to Ole Miss and had a, had a fantastic season. And like I said, he's, uh, has had a nice pro career so far. And I, he's, he's a phone call away from getting to Colorado. Yeah. He was a guy that I, um, I had circled on because I've heard great things coming out, um, you know, from his time getting drafted. he's one of those people that, that he, he kind of gets marked on all those, um, you know, articles that's like players to watch coming up. And yeah, he's, he's been noted a couple of times on that. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought him up now with these guys and these, you know, these former players that you've coached have, do you stay in touch with any of these people or do you kind of lose touch after a while? Well, we try to stay in touch with as many as we can. <clears throat> My wife and I, we didn't, we didn't do it this year, obviously because of what was going on in the, uh, in the country and in the world, mm-hmm. we had to cancel our spring training trip uh, this year to Scottsdale. But every year, we we my wife and I we travel to Scottsdale and we invite a bunch of guys that played with us in Orleans and we put together uh, an alumni reunion dinner. And I think this this year was going to be our our twelfth annual dinner. So it's we invite those guys to dinner and and uh, we go to PF Chang's in Scottsdale and. I even know the address. We've been doing it so many years now. That <laughs> it's 7135 East Camelback Road, and we get together, and we have a little happy hour, and then we sit down and, and have a great meal, and it's great to catch up with those guys. And I think we had 20, you know, about 25 to 30 guys that we're going to attend this this year. You know, the longer I'm in Orleans, the bigger that dinner has has gotten. And we were so looking forward to to going and catching up with those guys and then it was so disappointing that we had to cancel. So that's one way we try to stay in touch. And and living in Los Angeles, if we have former players that come in and play the Dodgers or play the Angels or we're not too far from San Diego, if we'll try to jump down and, and just say hello and watch an Eric Lauer, you know, try to catch one of Eric's starts. I, I saw Eric when when he was in L.A. a couple of years ago. And and it's always it's always great because it's – you remember meeting them for the first time in Orleans and then you're watching them in an MLB stadium. Uh, you know, I went down a couple of years ago and watched, watched Stro pitch against the angels. And it's, it's really cool. It's, it's really cool to see them fulfill their kind of childhood dreams and uh, boy, it happens fast too. Oh yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine all of a sudden it's like, I feel like I coached this guy two years ago and yep. now they're like, you know, seasoned vets in the, in the major leagues. So that's, that's pretty yes. cool. But no, so is that what keeps you coming back is just kind of, you know, seeing these guys develop and just kind of knowing that you played a hand in that? Well, for me, 
I just turned 60, Stephen, and uh, this would, hopefully it's going to be my 20th summer back there. I'm not sure what's going to happen with the Cape Lake this summer. We're just kind of, we're waiting to see what happens. But for me, it's all about the relationships, man. It's the the guys that I've coached with and uh, the people on our, on our board and, and Sue Horton, our general manager, she, I mean, she gave me an opportunity 20 years ago that, uh, I mean, it literally changed my life. And I will, I, I tell her she's my second favorite woman in the world. Um, <laughs> Good right answer. Behind this, right behind this is Donna. <laughs> but it's, it's just all about relationships and the, and the people that I've met and the friends that I've made. And uh, yeah, watching people ask me, what's the best part of the Cape? And I, it's an easy answer. It's watching these guys play every night, whether they're playing for you or against you. It's just watching high level baseball every night. And, and yeah, for me a little bit, trying to figure out who's, who's going to be the next Colton Wong or who's going to be the next Marcus Stroman or the next Matt Weeders or the next Stephen Wright. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a terrific journey. It's been a, it's been a terrific journey so far. And um Hopefully it's going to continue a little, a little while longer. Yeah. I mean, you've been, a, you've been a great ambassador for the league hundred percent. And it sounds like you, you know, deeply care about the people that you're not, that you're coaching and making these relationships with. So, I mean, would you say that your, you know, your fondest memory of your time in the league is just making these relationships or is there like a certain situation that really sticks out to you of like, wow, like, you know, this is why I'm doing this. Well, that's a really good question. Hey, obviously in 05, that was, it was my first year. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> that was a special group of guys and that, that team wound up winning the Cape League championship. So obviously I think anytime you win a, win a title, it's, it's special. And then there's a little, there's a little closer bond amongst those players. I, I still keep in touch with righty and I, I just texted with Brett pill. Pilly was going to, Brett pill was on that team. He's now the double a hitting coach for the Dodgers and Emmanuel Burris was on that team. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm biased. Of course, I thought Manny should have been the MVP of the Cape League that season, but there was some dude named Longoria that won it, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was pretty, pretty good. good <laughs> pretty good player, Evan was. Um, so that's always special, but I I think of our team last, I think of our team last summer, uh, just our, most recently, our 2019 team, and uh you know, Max Troiani from Bentley College comes up on a temporary contract and winds up, winds up making the all, not just the all-star team, but the all Cape League team. Mm -hmm. So you have, and then Shea Whitcomb, a division two player from UC San Diego came up and made the all-star team and had a, had a crazy, crazy summer, right? Hit, I think he hit seven or eight home runs and really put himself on the map. So, and then I think back to, I think it was 2000 and I want to say 2000. I'm not even sure the the years run together, but we had a couple of temp guys come up, Matt Duffy being one from Long Beach state. And then Ben, uh, we had a kid named Ben Waldrop was a big left-handed hitter and they came up as temp players and they were roommates and they both wound up starting in the all-star game. So those are, those are memories that, that come to mind that are, that are pretty special seeing, you know, a guy like Max Troiani and witty and then seeing a guy like Duffy and Ben, and then going back to Oh five and Manny and Pilly and, and those dudes and writing and seeing what they're doing now. It's yeah, it's really cool. It's really cool.
Oh yeah, I, I imagine, and and that actually brings me to where I wanted to talk about next was you know you mentioned I mean your first year as manager you you go out and win the championship I mean what was that feeling like just you know I mean did you just feel like you know the boss man in the Cape League just winning winning your first league winning your first year what's that about <laughs> Well, I I definitely didn't I did didn't feel like that because I'd been in the Cape for for four years and I. You know, it's it's so competitive back there mm-hmm. that if you don't if you don't play well one night, you're going to get your rear end kicked and that you've got to pretty much bring your your A game every night. So I, I knew how difficult it was. And it was oh five. There were only four teams that made the playoffs. Uh, my best friend and his son surprised me. They came back and just showed up on the field one morning as we were as we were prepping the field. And we had a game that night against Chatham at our place and we got beat. And I, and I remember uh, going with my best friend, his name is Doug Fritz. And we, we went to the land ho that, that night and, and uh, we're talking. And I, I remember the first thing I said, I said, Hey man, I'm sorry. I hope we don't go two and Q in this thing. And you know, you've, you've flown across cross country for two nights and two games and, Fortunately, we bounced back the next day, and and then we wound up playing Bourne, and and uh, we're we're fortunate to win it. And it's it's hard to do, man. We haven't won one since, mm-hmm. and um, uh, we we got to the finals in thirteen, and then in two thousand and fifteen and seventeen, we had probably two of the best teams we've ever had, and we got bounced out of the playoffs. YD bounced us one year, and then Brewster bounced us another year. So it's it's hard. It's, it's really, really hard to win a Cape league title. So I, I obviously cherish that, that time in 05 and those guys. Um, but boy, I'd sure like to, we would sure like to win another one. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And absolutely. I mean, I was looking at your, your roster for this year's, uh, for this year's team and, you know, definitely looks like a lot of talent there. You know, I was reading all the profiles and it seems like you've brought in, um, you know, a really good group of guys. So, you know, what are the expectations that you have for your team this year? Well, I think that's a great question. And the, if we do get get this thing up and running this summer, I think the Cape League is going to be as competitive as it's ever been, mm-hmm. especially because of the the arms. Nobody's going to get shut down. The only the only players that we're going to lose in the league are the guys that go to the USA team. Right. So normally you're there's a concern about, hey, if you see a kid getting up to 60 or 80 innings on the spring college coach may be inclined to shut them down but now they're the coaches that i've spoken with are dying to have their they are so hoping that the keep league uh, they hope we play this summer and they're very anxious to get their kids out playing especially you know the their arms need to they, they need to get some innings under their belt and their hitters need some at bats and they need they need some they need games they need to be playing games to make them better when for their you know, Springs uh, season next in 2021. So it could be a great, great summer, Stephen. Uh, oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking for, yeah, I look at our roster and I'm thinking normally I'm going to look at it in this time. I'm thinking, boy, who are we going to have to, who are we going to have to replace? And now I'm thinking, man, all these dudes are showing up and this is going to be fun, man. Right. It's going to be fun. Yeah. Oh man. I, I, and I completely agree. And, you know, 
that's one of my favorite things when I when I think about the Cape Cod baseball league. You know, I I grew up down the street from you know where Katuit plays and where and where right. Bourne plays. So I've been to so many games, and that's what I like every single season. As you walk in, and you really don't know which team's going to be the best team this year because there's always no. so much turnover and there's always so much talent coming in. And every single season, there's always at least you know ten MLB players that are going to end up you know making it to the show. And yep. I think that people who are living on the Cape in the summer have such a good opportunity to watch really, really good baseball for a very low price. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, no, it's absolutely, yeah. inc- it's incredible. So you're, abs- you're, you're absolutely right. And, uh, you know, last season, you know, speaking to the competitiveness, but last season, you know, you got your 350th career regular season win for the Cape Cod baseball league. I mean, what did achieving that milestone mean to you? Well, Minnow is getting old. I've been back for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey, in all honesty, man, it was it, it was special, right? But it it was just it was a real testament to the college coaches around the country that they've sent us extremely talented players. You can't win back there and, unless you have talent. And I, I tell people all the time the college. I just told a friend of mine last night we we're on a we had a little Zoom happy hour, and I those college coaches do a great job of pinpointing their best players and getting them to the Cape. So without the college coaches, you know, that 350 doesn't happen. We've, like I said earlier, we've had great, great assistant coaches and they do all the coaching back there. My first year as a manager, I didn't know our offensive signs. Rob Gore, a really, a really good friend of mine who played at SC and it was a brilliant baseball guy he ran our offense and for, I think Rob was back there two or three summers and the two or three summers he was back there. I didn't know our offensive signs. Um, so, I mean, when I say I turn it over to our assistant coaches, I, I turn it over to the assistant coaches. They do a fantastic job. Uh, this year we had Jamie Quinn, who's a head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson in New Jersey and th- their team was off to a great start. We have Chris, uh, we have Matt, Matthew Troop, is our pitching coach. He played for us. Uh, he, he'll he be in his second year. Trooper does an unbelievable job with our, with our pitching staff. We have Alex Simone, who was our strength and conditioning guy last summer. We're going to add assistant coach to his title. I think you're going to see Alex in the major leagues. And I told my wife the other night at dinner, you're going to see Alex in the big leagues in three to five years. He's a, he's a fantastic young coach. And, uh, and then we have Ryan Erickson, another really, really – I've known Ryan since he's a, you know, eighth or ninth grader. I've known his family, and and uh, he runs our defense and just a worker, and uh, he he just does a terrific job. So, those, you know, I'm so looking forward to our guys to be under those guys' tutelage this summer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but and then again, like I said, we've had really good players. Uh, you know, John Wooden says you've the very, the, the most important thing about having a, having a great year, you've got to have really good players. And so it's players and it's coaches and it's our assistants. And when all three of those things are good, man, it's a, it's a good combination to, to, to win some baseball games in the Cape league. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast, you know, it helps, you know, put that culture into place pretty quickly. Um, and it sounds like you really do the homework on making sure that you have the best coaches in place to really drive that culture. And 
And then again, you know, when you're looking at the players, you want to make sure they have a good head on their shoulder. So yeah, no, it seems absolutely. like you guys are a well-oiled machine over there. And there's, there's no surprise that you keep having the success that you're having. So, you know, I appreciate that, uh, that insight. Well, you bet. Thank you. Um, but you know, the last thing I kind of wanted to ask you, um, is kind of a, away from the Cape league, but you know, Obviously, when you live on the Cape over the summer, you know, you got to do some things other than baseball. So you know, what are the, some things you, you mentioned the land hoe? I love the land hoe myself. You know, I'm actually uh, a staple up at the Beachcomber up in Wellfleet or every summer. But, you know, what are the some things that you like to do away from baseball while you're on the Cape and, some, and maybe some things that people should check out? Well, I think the favorite thing I like to do when um, when we don't have games on the Cape, I like to spend time with Donna mm-hmm. and I kind of like to do whatever she likes to do. We we are very fortunate that our our GM has a a nice home in Chatham, and that's where Miss, Mrs. Don and I live during the summer. We live with our assistant coach Jamie Coe, uh, Jamie Quinn, and his wife comes up, and they have a new little baby, Tegan Shea, and so we were going to have a nice little house of five up there this summer, um, you know. But a, a way we'd like to there are a couple restaurants that we'd like to go to. We'd like to obviously go to the the Chatham bars in and go to the little place down by the beach mm. and have lunch. And there's a uh, beach house grill that we like to go to. And I, th- I think that's what it, I think that's what it's called at, at below the Chatham bars in there. There's a really good place in Harwoods that Stevie Englert has turned us on to. It's right now. It's right next. I, the name slips in my mind, but it's right next to the it's kind of a funny name of a, for a hotel. It's called the three seasons. Yeah. But there's a very, yeah, there's a very good uh, steak place out there and, we just, you know, we just love to, um, we, Hey, we obviously love the, we love the land home. We love to frequent the places in Orleans and, and up in Chatham and, and, um, but you know, normally when we're not playing, when, uh, it's nice to have a Mrs. Don is great about making the coaching staff a nice, you know, making her famous Turkey tacos or making us a great meal and, and just enjoying a quiet night at home. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, especially with everything going on, I'm sure you'll be getting out a little bit more this summer if we're able to, since we're pretty much on lockdown right now. But, um, but yeah, Kelly, you know, overall, you know, this has been a really awesome conversation. Um, You know, I really, I think I can speak for the entire league when we say that we really appreciate everything that you've done for the Cape Cod Baseball League. And you've really just been a tremendous ambassador for the league for us. So we definitely really appreciate it. And I appreciate you being the first ever interview for the podcast. Well, you bet. Thank you, Stephen. It's been my pleasure and uh, keep up the good work and hopefully we'll meet in person soon. Yes. Hopefully this summer we'll be able to you know, finally meet in person and um, you know, see you guys win some games. You bet. That would be nice. Uh, yes, sir. That would be nice. <laughs> yes, it would. Yes, it would. But yeah, Kelly, you know, thank you again very much for coming on the show and uh, we'll be seeing you this summer. You bet. Thank Alrighty. you, Stephen. No problem. All right, man. That concludes the first episode of the Cape League podcast. Thank you again to Kelly for coming on and sharing your experiences. We have two more great interviews coming up, which feature two former Cape League All-Stars and current big leaguers. We have former Falmouth Commodore and current Arizona Diamondbacks pitcher Alex Young and Taylor Rogers, who pitches for the Minnesota Twins and is a former Harwich Mariner. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Cape League Pod and on Instagram, Cape League Podcast or official CCBL. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.